change. He's the same every day. Sister Jennifer, praise the Lord this morning, would you? Hallelujah. Sister Dottie, praise him. Yeah, thank God for truth. Brother Derek, I know that you and Sister Lisa got a praise this morning. We're glad to see y'all in church. Yes. <laughs> God is so mindful of his people. Hallelujah. Brother Kenneth praised him this morning. Yes. Sister Robbins, we're glad you're in church. Can you praise the Lord this morning? You can sit, sit down and praise him. Yes. And I believe in the prayers of the First Pentecostal Church. I, you say that, and I say that, but I believe that. Hallelujah. Brother Baker, praise him. we can go and do what we want to do. We're free. But you know why I'm in church this morning? I want to be in church. I need something from God in this service this morning. Let's give God a big hand clap and say something. Well, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. My heart was filled with joy that the Lord gave me. It's a little bit too fast. Well, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Well, my heart was filled with joy that the Lord gave me. I've been changed from this old man that I used to be. Now my life was changed forever when the Lord found me. Well, he didn't leave me the way that he found me. And he didn't leave me to die in my sins. Well, but he left me his Holy Spirit to live within. 
He left me a brand new man. Oh, He didn't leave me the way that He found me. And He didn't leave me to die in my sins. Oh, but He left me His Holy Spirit to live within. He left me a brand new man. Well, from my sins He gave me freedom. From my chains He set me free. Well, He took out all the old things that I, I didn't need. I've a new heart, a new mind, a new song I sing. All because He didn't leave me the way He found me. Oh, He didn't leave me the way that He found me. And He didn't leave me to die in my sins. Oh, but He left me His Holy Spirit to live within. He left me a brand new man. Oh, He didn't leave me the way that He found me. And He didn't leave me to die in my sins. Oh, but He left me His Holy Spirit to live within. He left me a brand new man. Well, from my sins he gave me freedom from my chains. He set me free. Well, He took out all the old things that I, I didn't need. Well, I've a new heart, a new mind, a new song I sing. All because He didn't leave me the way He found me. Oh, He didn't leave me the way that He found me. And He didn't leave me to die in my sins. Oh, but He left me His Holy Spirit to live within. He left me a brand new man. Oh, but He left me His Holy Spirit to live within. He left me a brand new
Jeffrey, come sing if you would. Come on, get ready. Sister Shirley, praise the Lord this morning. Yes. Yes. 39 and holy. Sister Candice, praise the Lord this morning. Brother McGee, praise the Lord this morning. Yes. Yes. Let's give him a big hand clap this morning. Jesus brought me out from a life of shame and sorrow, lost in sin without a doubt. With all my heart, I want to praise him for the love he gave to me. When the precious hand of Jesus reached way down and lifted me. From the depths of the pit, I tried so hard, but I couldn't touch him. It was there in my despair, I cried so loud, yet it seemed he didn't hear me. I was lost and undone, so full of sin and so corrupt. Then his hand reached further down, and I could reach up. Just like a man locked up in prison, I had no one to go my bail. Every time I sought for freedom, all endeavors only failed. There I was in sin's dark dungeon, bound by chains of misery. Oh, but the Lord paid me a visit, unlocked my cell, he set me free. From the depths of the pit, I tried so hard, but I couldn't touch him. There in my despair, I cried so loud, yet it seemed he didn't hear me. I was lost and undone, so full of sin and so down 
God today. Amen. So thankful for God's goodness, mercy, allowing us to be in his house. We serve a wonderful, wonderful God. And I am so thankful for another chance to come and to worship, to praise and to magnify him. God is good and worthy of all of our praise. And uh, I tell you what, we are to every time we get an opportunity coming to the house of the Lord to lift up his wonderful name because he is worthy to be praised. You can be seated for a few moments this morning. Good to see everyone that is in the house of God. Lord bless you for coming to church today. And uh, I know the Lord has something good in store for you. Good to see all of our guests that are here. Lord bless you for coming this morning. And uh, uh, I am so thankful for God's goodness and his blessings. It is good to see Reed in church today. Amen. So thankful for the miracle that God has worked for him. And uh, we need to pray for those who are sick and not able to be here today. Let's continue to pray for Sister Gala. She had a little setback, so let's ask God to work for her, give her a miracle from heaven. Uh, let's pray for Sister Mansfield. She had a, an accident the other day and asked God to touch her. I believe she's doing a little better, so let's continue to pray for her, continue to pray for Sister Fields. Ask God to touch her. Good to see Sister Robbins in the house of the Lord today. And uh, I tell you what, I'd much rather be here than any other place in the world that I know than in the house of God. God has certainly, certainly been good to me. I uh, miss Brother and Sister Duplessy this morning. They're over in Gina, Louisiana, uh, preaching over there for uh, Brother McClure this morning and tonight. Ask the Lord to use him, anoint him, and uh, looking forward to them able to be here. And uh, so thankful for all that God has done. And I uh, want to uh, make a few announcements this morning. Some we'll make after the Sunday school classes come in. But uh, to all of you parents that are in here today, our scheduled festival is May the 1st. So we ask all of you to please uh, plan for that. Please don't go out of town that weekend. That's our Sunday school festival. We'll need a lot of help. And uh, Sister Baldry will be getting with all of the volunteers that want to help in that area. So we ask you to please uh, help us and help this be a great success. And uh, due to the lack of being able to get all the stuff that we needed uh, during the fall, we've changed it to the spring. So let's pray for good weather and everything will be well. Also, uh, Brother Stewart will be here in service with us Wednesday night. That will be the 24th. Brother Robinson will be here the following Wednesday night. That will be the 31st. And uh, we want to look forward to that, looking forward to the Word of God. And I tell you what, if you missed this past Wednesday night, you missed a tremendous Word of God. And uh, I know to some of you it might have been a little lengthy, but uh, it don't hurt us to stay a little late every once in a while, but it was good. It was from God, and I am so thankful 
that God still chooses to speak to his people through the word of God. And uh, we were honored to have Brother Brad Lambeth in service with us Wednesday night. And I tell you what, they're doing a tremendous work over there and uh, in Brazil. And we thank God for the work that him and his, of course, his wife and uh, his brother and his wife and family and also now Brother Brad Lambeth's son, John John, is also a missionary over there, and we ask God to continue to bless them. They're doing a tremendous work. I believe uh, they told me, Brother, I was talking to Brother Ham and Brother Duplessy about the work over there, trying to get some information since I didn't want to go. And uh, so um, they said they have somewhere around 150 churches that Brother Lambeth is over in uh, Brazil. And I tell you what, they stay busy about the work of God. I believe uh, his brother, uh, Cleve, I think he told me the other day it's been 15 years since he's even been back to the States. And uh, that is a tremendous commitment, and uh, they're doing a tremendous work. And I'm glad that we're able to be part of that, and uh, we were able to bless them with a tremendous offering uh, this past Wednesday night. And uh, thank you for your giving to the Lord to further this gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, also, don't forget uh, the upcoming uh, Easter Sunday. Uh, I thought it was this coming Sunday, but I guess we still have two weeks to go. And uh, so we're looking forward to that. Want you, it's a good time to get everyone that you can to come to the house of God because lots of times they wouldn't come any other time of the year, but please do your best to get someone to come with you. Uh, we're looking forward to a great move of the Lord. Now, when you get here, we mean just to have church. That's what we're going to do. So when you get your guest here, don't get nervous and don't get uh, timid, but come into the house of God to worship Him because God is worthy of all of our praise. Also, we have Brother Coon scheduled to be here April the 25th. He'll be here on a Sunday morning. Again, we enjoyed him last time he was here and uh, looking forward to him coming back and being with us. We were trying to uh, schedule a um, marriage retreat and uh, a little outing like we normally do in the uh, first part of the year. We tried to do it in February. Uh, February has come and gone, and we still haven't done it. And I called uh, Brother Godair. Uh, Kenny Godair that was here with us before to come and I told him I said I'll get back with you in a week or so and give you the dates well when we started looking over the dates pretty much everything was booked up so we got that scheduled for September so um, we're putting that off a little while uh, but we always look forward to that and what the good part about that is is uh, my kitchen out at my house will be done and uh, man we're going to cook some steaks we're going to have a great time in the Lord Praise God. And uh, we're going to have a good time of fellowship afterwards and uh, try to strengthen us for the work of God where we could be what God would have us to be and do more for God. That's what it's all about today is doing our best for God. God didn't save us just for us to be by ourselves, but he saved us to help everyone that we possibly can get to glory. And so we have a new pulpit this morning. Well, it's not new. It's just now usable. We've had it for quite some time over in the corner, and uh, I hope you all like it, I, and um, I think it's very beautiful myself, and we're waiting on the 
people to come for the sound. That's the reason why we're making do with the mic situation where they can put us a pulpit mic. And uh, so I, I have a problem talking and holding a mic at the same time because when I talk, my hands start moving. My mother-in-law said, now everybody's going to see the way you twitch and jerk and, and kick and stomp behind the pulpit. I said, oh, well, I, we might have to get us a big plant and put right here in the center to keep from distracting everybody. So uh, anyway, if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And uh, we'll be starting reading at verse 24. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. The rest of the announcements I need to wait till the Sunday school teachers get in. So... Matthew chapter 6, verse number 24. Then we'll be reading verse number 32 through 34. The scripture says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Then skipping to verse number 32, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. And the scripture was talking about things that they were looking for and seeking for. And then it says, For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. He knows what you need today. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you take therefore no thought for tomorrow for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof the scripture says that let me let me go over what I have read right now for your heavenly father knows your needs and that is something very important to understand and realize today that he knows our needs. He does expect us to make requests of our needs, but he also knows our needs and all the things that, that we need to sustain us. And then it tells us, don't get so carried away with your needs that you forget seeking the kingdom of God. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all of these things are going to be added unto you. Then it tells us that we should not take thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow is going to take thought for itself. It's going to come if you're thinking about it or not thinking about it. And uh, then it tells us that sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. This lets us know that there's going to be enough evil tomorrow in the world also. So you can be seated this morning. And I want to preach to you from this subject a little while today. And uh, you notice I didn't say a few minutes, I said a little while. So, <laughs> so um, I want to preach to you from this subject. Seek ye first. Seek ye first. Are simply this, the importance of being number one. Seek ye first are the importance of being number one. I... Uh, Sister Dottie, it's already been made mention of her birthday. I believe Brother McDaniel has a birthday today. 
Congratulations on 80 years. 80. It's not 80? Oh, 12 months from 80. Well, I'm just thinking that things that are not as though they were. So uh, congratulations on 79 years, and uh, we are honored to have uh, Elder McDaniel in church with us here in Sealsby. Lord bless him, and uh, thankful for Brother McDaniel, the work that he'd done. Pastored 40 years in Vider, and is here with us, still living for God, loving God today, and we're honored to have him here with us. So seek ye first the kingdom of God. And I, I believe that it is important that we learn how to put first things first. There is uh, a lot of things that we can look at in life. And I, I notice that, that there's not, there is not a lot of emphasis put on number two. But there is a lot of emphasis put on number one. Everybody wants to be number one. And uh, in, in life and uh, even in the sports arena today, we can find that nobody is, nobody is interested in playing for second place. But everybody wants what they call all the marbles, which would be first place. You do not hear a lot about second place finishers. And uh, I am reminded of the political arena today. And uh, there's not a lot of emphasis put on the one that finishes second in running for president. In fact, in a few years, you can't even remember who run against who in the presidential race. But you can always remember who was president. They, uh, they teach you a lot about uh, the presidents of past uh, in school but they never teach you a lot about those who also run. And uh, there's, a, there's a something that they call them, and they call them also ran. And uh, such and such uh, won the presidency, and such and such also ran for president. And uh, Barack Obama won the presidential election, but and then you would say, that uh, John McCain also ran, and Hillary Clinton also ran, and different ones also ran, but not a lot of is mentioned about them. In fact, the majority of them, their political careers end uh, shortly after they lose the presidency. There has been a few that come back and uh, the next election and won for themselves, but the majority of the time they are put on the back burner and forgotten. So there is a lot of emphasis put on being number one. When someone wins something, you don't see uh, the other team over there standing on the other sideline holding up two fingers. All you see is the one holding up the one finger that they are number one. And there is a lot to say about how that God looks at the church and how that God desires men and women to be faithful to him. And uh, let me read you a few things here this morning, a few quotes that I read I thought was very interesting. When men cease to be faithful to their God, he who expects to find them so to each other will soon be much disappointed. 
when men cease to be faithful to God, how can you expect them to be faithful to one another? And you say, oh, I, I have trouble being faithful to God. If you have trouble being faithful to God, you have trouble with your entire life of commitment. No one in this world, it seems like there is a new craze that has taken over this society of a society of no commitments. Nobody wants to make a stand for anything. Uh, a few uh, months ago, I had the privilege to be with some other fellow ministers of the gospel and uh, some that I highly, I highly esteem. And I have never been around some of these ministers before. And I was able to talk to them and we were discussing different issues. And I, I, me and another preacher there kind of got uh, tickled at one, that very well-known preacher, but he didn't really want to make a statement about anything. Everything that we would ask him, he would tell us a story and he would skirt the issue. And so finally, one of the other preachers that I was with looked at this uh, preacher and he said, uh, it's just yes or no. It's very simple. Just say yes or no. But when you make a statement, you've got to be willing to stand by that statement, I believe, from now on that you said that. And they say that it's very, uh, very serious to write a book because when you write a book, you're unable to change your mind because it's already in print. Well, we have found that to be very untrue today. But uh, anyway, people can change their mind anytime they get ready, I guess. And R Theodore Roosevelt once said that it is better to be faithful than to be famous. That you would have a name that when somebody tells you something, you can count on it. Have you ever had someone that tells you something that it don't mean anything? They just wasted their time and uh, you wasted your, your hearing by listening and they wasted their breath by saying because it really does not amount to a lot because when they say they're going to do something, you really don't know if they're going to do it or not. But it means something to have a name that, that you have come in contact with people that, that someone has told you when they say something, you can take it to the bank because that's just the way that it is. And uh, my daddy always had the, the saying that if, if I tell you a hen dip snuff, you can look under a wing and find the box. I'm sure that was not original with him, but he quoted that quite often. Mother Teresa was once asked the question, how do you measure the success of your work? And she looked puzzled at the one who asked for a moment, and then she replied, I did not remember the Lord ever speaking of success. He spoke only of faithfulness and His love. This is the only success that really counts. People measure success in what you possess. When you see someone driving a very fine automobile, you can say that person is successful. Or when you see someone living in a very nice home, you can say that person is successful. But that is not the way that God measures success. God seems to measure success in, is that person faithful? 
is that person committed? And it does not matter what you possess in this life, but what matters is how faithful that you are to your God. Amen. Uh, a little funny, couple of funny things I'd like to share with you this morning is, uh, one said, uh, one man said, he said that my secretary is very faithful. She is always faithful. Says she hasn't missed a coffee break yet in the last ten years. I, I told you this little story before, and I'll tell it to you again because it, it's quite funny. It says the choir director uh, was being driven out of his mind at rehearsals for a concert. It seemed that at least one or more choir members was absent at every rehearsal. Finally, they reached the last rehearsal, and he announced, he said, I want to personally uh, uh, thank the pianist for the, being the only person in the entire choir that was here for every rehearsal during the past two months. At this time, the pianist rose and bowed and said, I, it was the least that I can do considering that I will not be able to be here tonight at the concert. So there is a lot to say about being faithful. And that's the way some of us are in uh, our everyday living. And then when we are unfaithful in our everyday living, we become unfaithful to our living for God. And that's where it gets real, real dangerous in our walk is being unfaithful to God. A marriage relationship is <clears throat> likened unto uh, the relationship that we have with God. It is a commitment. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24 in the very beginning of time, it says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, can all of the men read along with me in that scripture? Therefore shall... Therefore shall a man leave his father... That's not real hard lots of times. But man, why did they have to put this in there? And his mother. Whew, that's very difficult at times. Mama didn't do it that way. Mama didn't fold my clothes that way. Mama didn't clean house this way. Mama could cook this such and such a way. Mama this and mama that. But you have to understand that you forsook mother and father and shall cleave unto his wife. And they shall be one flesh. Now, I have added something to that also. Now, let me give you what I have added, and I'm sure all the men will say amen. My daddy didn't do it that way. You also, women, must forsake their parents also. And uh, <clears throat> my daddy didn't talk to me that way. <laughs> My, my daddy, my daddy uh, did this, and my daddy... But there is a relationship, there is a commitment that must be made, a faithful commitment that you said for better or for worse. Now, I know society 
uh, does not look down upon divorce any longer. And I know sometimes it is, it is, uh, there is no hope in different situations. But still, the scripture declares that in the beginning it was not so. And it's still not the plan of God. It's still not the way that God wants it to be. I, I was on my way home from the hospital in Houston the other day. And I was listening at some idiot on the radio. And uh, I, was, I was listening at her have a discussion with another lady. And they were talking about a marriage relationship. And so I am, I am interested in that. I'm interested in successful marriage relationships. I'm interested in what makes them work, what makes them not work, where I can avoid the things that, that don't work and try to encourage you to avoid the things that work and try to get you involved in the things that work. So I was listening at this, this program and uh, I, I was listening at this one lady's opinion of, of uh, discussing marriage and she said, I got married once and I never will do it again. That was the dumbest thing I ever did in my life. It was much easier to get married than it was to get unmarried. And she said, I advise everyone not to get married. Just live together. Now, what kind of perverted world that we are living in? The reason why is people have a problem with making a commitment. Now, how many of you today would go to the Ford dealership, the, uh, the Chevrolet dealership, the Cadillac dealership, the Mercedes dealership, Nissan dealership, Toyota dealership, maybe not Toyota right now, but um, might go faster than what you anticipate at times. But uh, all of these other dealerships, and they said, you can come get this car and drive it as long as you want to, and when you get through with it, you can bring it back and nobody is going to hold you to anything. It's not going to cost you anything. You don't have to sign your name and you don't have to make a commitment. Now, I tell you right now, I've got two pretty nice vehicles, but I'd go trade either one of them in or both of them in on another one if I had that kind of deal offered me because you don't have to make a commitment. But when you go, they are willing to sell you anything and they'll pretty much sell you anything but before you leave, they want your name signed on a dotted line that says, I am committed to this for three years, five years, six years, seven years, ten years, ever how many years that you commit. When you buy a house, you have to sign your name to the fact that I am going to pay for this until it gets paid for. Because you have to make a commitment. The world has a problem with commitment. And some people, a commitment don't make any difference to them. They break that honest, sincere. When you sign it, you say you're going to do it. That don't mean I'm going to sign this and run out and file bankruptcy. I might not should have said that, but it's still so anyway. Now, I know that problems happen in life, but when you do that with that intent, you are dishonest. Still the truth. You may not like it, but it's still the truth, and that didn't cost you anything. The rest is going to be expensive. But but people in a relationship, God likens the the relationship with God to a relationship of a marriage relationship. That's the reason why it is so important to make that commitment and not break it. When we make the commitment to God, we are making a commitment for life, and we are not supposed to break that commitment. <clears throat> 
That when we say, God, if you'll give me the Holy Ghost, I will do anything that you want me to do. And we make a commitment to God. And so some people in a marriage relationship say, some people think that since I have got them, I can look any old way and it don't make any difference. I can dress any old way because they've already entered in a commitment with me and they can't let go of me. I can, I can go around slouchy and tacky and my husband is supposed to like it now. I can let myself go and not care about what I look like. And uh, some, of you, some of you men worry about your wife putting on a little extra weight and you're on them all the time. Have you looked in the mirror lately? That pop belly you got and those sags around your eyes and on that triple chin that you have is not too enticing itself. But, but see, when we, when we enter into a commitment, we are supposed to try to please that one that we have entered into a commitment with. This may not be what you come... It's, it's going to get better, I promise you. Because surely there is an end. <laughs> so when you enter into that commitment, I have seen people that, that man, they were, they were beautiful before they got married. And when they get married, it seems like something just happens and they, they walk around and their clothes don't match and they don't worry about brushing their teeth any longer or combing their hair or washing their face because they've already tricked some poor joker into marrying them. And then when that does not work, they wonder why. Why this hasn't worked. I tell you that when you, when, you are, when you are in that relationship, you do your best to keep them just like you've done putting your best foot forward to catch them. Some of us are good trappers. We just don't know what to do with it after we got it. So uh, people can lay a good trap and say, oh man, you know, you disguise that. When you lay a snare for somebody, you'd, you know, when you're, when you're hunting and you're laying a snare, you cover it up where can't nobody... This is not the real me, and you really don't know what the real me is, but the real me is waiting at home in a cage trying to get out. And as soon as you say, I do, brother, you go, oh, my Lord, are you going to be surprised? That's the way a lot of people uh, are in a relationship, and that's not a healthy relationship, and it won't last. Now, now I don't know about you, but I can remember, and I, my wife, would not remember this if I'd never reminded her, but I can remember the first place that I ever seen her face. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Something just happened to me. It was like a lightning bolt just shot through my whole body. <laughs> and uh, something, something just happened. I, I can't explain it. I, I was driving by um, in the place there, in uh, Lumberton where we first met and I, I was taking my kids to school they think that I'm old and my wife is old and and anything that we say uh, complimenting each other is just the most ridiculous thing they've ever heard of and I said see right over there that's the first place me and your mama met they go oh gross I was kind of impressed I was excited about it my, I can remember that day and um, so 
They, they think that that is all just, that. oh man, I, I can't imagine that. Oh my Lord, have mercy. And uh, they, they can't imagine feeling that way. Now, now I, I, I don't remember, I'll be honest now, um, I, I don't, not like I wasn't honest a while ago, but, but being, in being honest, okay? I, I, I don't remember uh, being on a date and uh, saying, uh, man, I just don't like the way you look at me that way. I don't like the way uh, you talk. I, I, I don't like the way you, you act. I don't like the way that you uh, conduct yourself. And I, I, I don't like the way that you dress. I don't like the way that you fix your hair. Now, in being honest, I must admit, there's been a few times since we've got married, I, I said, I really don't care for that, <laughs> just to be honest. But, but before, beforehand, what I, I was trying, I never, I, I don't remember, of course, we did have a few arguments in our dating relationship, but, but I was always trying to, to put the best foot forward at all times where I could, could kind of convince her that, that that night we were sitting on the swing, just a swinging. And uh, I said, um, hey, what about marrying me? And she goes, are you serious? As if to say, I thought you would never ask. <laughs> and, uh, you know, trying to get the, the answer that I was desiring and I was looking for. So... So I was putting my best foot forward. Now, now from that day forward of that, that from the day, um, when was it? Uh, December the 14th. Is that right? December the 14th, 1991. Man, I had to study that before church. Write that down up here, December the 14th, 1991. That, that we entered into that relationship and that commitment and... Uh, her daddy asked me a bunch of stuff. I didn't know what I was saying at the time. And uh, he used a couple of words in there. I wasn't sure what they was meaning, but I said, yeah, <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do, whatever, <laughs> whatever. You want me to push pennies across the floor? I'm ready, I do, I surrender. And, uh, and she said, I do, just jumping up down excited about it. We entered into a relationship. Now, there has, there has been times where we have not agreed on every situation. There has been times where it wasn't, uh, it wasn't an exciting day of our life, but in all of that, that love has always been strong. That love has always been steady. That love has always... We don't talk about divorce because we didn't enter into this relationship with that on our mind. A lot of people enter into a relationship with each other. If this doesn't work out, I'll just get rid of you and get me another one. Now, that's not the way to have a healthy relationship. But, on the other hand, God and our relationship with God is lots alike our relationship with each other. That, that we have, God some way has lost His shine and His glow. I ask you today, is your wife still as attracted to you as the day when you got married? Yeah. Woo! Brownie points. 
does when you, when you look at her, <laughs> I would say you kind of get speechless, but some people, the reason why they get speechless is because they can't say anything because she's talking. But, <laughs> but, but when you look at her, does it, man, does, you kind of look and say, man, I am so, I, I just feel honored that you're my wife. Or do you look at her and say, you ought to feel honored. Shame on you if you feel that way. Shame on the wife if she feels that way. You have got to feel that, that I got the better part of the deal. <laughs> I, I've got, man, look, look at this. Look, you ought to wake up every morning and say, thank God. Just think if it was some of them other goofballs that you courted or dated, you wouldn't even be together today. And thank God that God has blessed you. But like so, we get that way in our relationship with our God. That I remember the first encounter. Do you remember the first encounter you had with God? Man, alive, I had never felt. I'd heard my parents talk about it. I've heard, I heard my, my, uh, my, my grandma talk about it. I'd heard different ones stand up in church and testify about it. But I had never experienced it for myself. And, and the day that I experienced it, it was such a feeling I cannot explain to this day. But has, you can remember that time, but has God seemed to have lost the luster that it once had? The house of God does not make you quite as exciting, excited as it once made you feel. The Spirit of God in a service does not really do to you what it once did to you. Now, can I ask you this? Unlike our relationship with our spouse, they might change. They might turn gray-headed. They might turn bald-headed. They might turn... Some of you may have more to love today than what you had when you got married, thank God. It's just so good God keeps blessing you. But, but unlike that with God, God never changes. And see, we, we look, we, we see ourselves every day and we don't notice a changing process that's taking place in our life. And we look and we say, you know, my wife's changing, my husband's changing, but we can't see the times that we come in grouchy. And we come in upset and we come in frustrated with the day's events and we come in and we're... We're not smelling our best and we're not putting our best foot forward and we're not looking our best and we wonder what's wrong with our spouse. Unlike that, we do the same thing with God. We are the ones that's changing. It's not God that changed. It's not the glory that has changed. It's not the church that has changed. It's not the moving of the Holy Ghost that has changed, but it's us as individuals, we have changed our desires. We have put our affections on other things. And we have taken looks and glimpses of, of things.
things around us. I don't remember, you know, walking through the mall with my uh, date when she was, before she was my wife, she was my date. I didn't look through, I didn't walk through the mall looking at everything else that passed by with my eyebrows cocked up in the air. I wasn't looking for another opportunity. And still today I don't do that. There's two reasons. One, I'm in love. The other reason, I'm smart. <laughs> so, so when we, when we start having these feelings in it, and God kind of loses His luster, we start walking through the world looking at things that, that are around us. Boy, don't that look good? Man, I, if I wasn't a Christian, I'd try that. If, if I wasn't committed to God, I'd, I'd have to have some of that. If, if I wasn't in love with God, I'd, I'd have to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Why? Because the Spirit of God has kind of lost its luster to you. Things that come between us and God. Romans chapter 8, verses number 35 through 39. The Apostle Paul asked the Roman church, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of God? He's asking you a question. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ. And then he starts naming things. He says, Shall tribulation, our distresses, our persecution, our famine, our nakedness, our peril, our sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. For I am persuaded, this is what the Apostle Paul said, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Now these are the things that Paul wrote about and things and all of these things that, that he names here are distractions and painful and, and uh, distress and persecution and killings and all of these things. He asked, will it separate us? And then, but it's not always the bad things that happens that separate us. But sometimes it's when everything is going good in our life. And it causes a separation between us and God. Now I know I may be going a little bit slower than what you would like for me to go this morning. But I feel this in the Holy Ghost that God is trying to minister to someone today. It is so with Israel that as long as they were fighting the enemy, as long as they were, they were moving and they were conquering and it was always a struggle and always a battle, they were where they needed to be with God. 
But it was after the battle, after the wars, after the trouble, that when they were all sitting there and the Scripture warns them against this, said when you're, when you're drinking from vineyards, you're eating from vineyards that you did not build and you're living in houses that, that are vineyards that you did not plant and you're living in houses that you did not build and you're drinking from wells that you did not dig. Beware! Unless you forget God that gave all of this to you in the first place. When you don't have any money, some people can't live for God when they're broke. On the contrary, other people can't live for God when they got money. I can remember, and I've told you before, I'll tell you again and again and again and again. A man come to my daddy one time and he says, Brother Looper, I, 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 I hate to tell you this, he said, but I'm just, I make too much money to give 10% to God anymore. Daddy said, oh, is that correct? He said, yes, sir. He said, it's amazing to me when you were making $50 a week, it was no problem to give that tenth to God. He said, yeah, but since I make so much, it's, I, I just make too much to give tenth for God, to God. My daddy said, you know, that's fine. He said, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to talk to God and tell Him to let you start making $50 a week again where you can afford to pay God what is owed God. Some people cannot cannot live for God when things are going good. I've got a good job. Man, God's blessed me with a good home. He's blessed me with a good bed. So we stay in that bed on Sunday mornings instead of getting out and going and thanking Him. I'm about to preach now. Instead of thanking Him for what He has given us. If it was not for God, you wouldn't have a bed to lay around and sleep in. You'd be sleeping under a bridge somewhere if it was not for the mercy and the grace of God. You'd be an alcoholic. You'd be a drug addict. And you need to always remember where you might be if it was not for God's mercy. And how can I say, God, I can't be faithful to you. And God, I can't do this for you. And God, I can't be there for you. I want to tell you, I'd much rather give God what is owed Him than to have God to pull the rug out from under me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The rich young ruler came to Him and said, we don't, we don't, I don't guess know His name or know a lot about Him. But the Bible makes references to the fact that he was a ruler. One place it calls him rich. Luke chapter 18, it tells us a story. And a certain ruler asked him, saying, good master. He had a lot. He had a lot figured out. He knew that he was good and he knew that he was the master. So everyone that cries, Lord and Lord, is not going to be saved. He said, good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus tells him, he said, well, keep the commandments. Don't kill, don't steal, don't commit adultery. You know all the commandments. And he looked and he said, yes, sir, I know the commandments. He had a great, great testimony. He said, all of these I have kept from my youth up. Man, what a testimony. I don't have that testimony, and I don't imagine any of you in here has that testimony. 
that I've never, I've never, I've never thrown away a commandment. I've never broken a commandment. I've always been faithful to the commandments. I've studied the law. I know what the law says. I know what it means. I know how to obey the law. But Jesus looked beyond that physical man that was standing there and he seen down on the inside of his heart. Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet likest thou one thing. Yet likest thou one thing. I don't know about you this morning, but I sometimes feel that I lack more than just one thing in being what I need to be for God. He said, sell all that thou hast and distribute unto the poor and thou shalt have treasures in heaven and come and follow me. Now, the scripture said, and after that saying, the young ruler went away sorrowfully because he had great possessions. It was not the money that was causing him not to be what he needed to be for God. But it was the love of money. It was the love of his position. It was the love of who he was and what he was. Amen. Sometimes we need to be very careful that when God blesses us, we do not love the blessing more than the blesser. We spend more time with the blessing than we do with the blesser of the blessing. Amen. There is nothing wrong. Uh, and I, I, I believe it's good and I'm for it of vacationing and, and taking your family to places and, and going places and being a parent to them and showing them things that you're able to give them. But don't ever allow the blessing to come become more important than the blesser. That I love the things that God has given me more than I love God Himself. That I enjoy the things that God has blessed me with than the thing that God is all about and that is serving Him, that is living for Him, that is being dedicated to Him, that is being consecrated to Him. I want to tell you today, the Scripture says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and everything else is going to be added unto you. If you learn how to seek Him first. Some of us are like the rich young ruler and some of you may be like the rich young ruler today. That you may walk away from this place sad and sorrowful because you feel like that you have too much to give up to commit to God. You say, oh, I, I, I'm committed, I'm committed to God, I, I love God. We say we love God with our lips but our heart is far from Him. We won't miss a day's work, but brother, we don't think twice about missing a church service. I've already said not on occasion, but on a regular basis, we find it common if we're, if we're feeling a little bad. Oh, I'll just stay at home. I, you know, 
But bless God, we get a Monday, Monday morning miracle and we can run all over the country. But come Wednesday, we got a sniffle and have to stay home again. And, and come Thursday morning, oh, we just feel great. I feel like I'll go here. I feel like I, I mean, I, I'm doing great. What we're doing, we're enjoying the blessings and we're forgetting about the one who blessed us with the blessing. I want to tell you, God is not interested in what you have and what you can give to Him financially, but God is interested in what you will give to Him physically and mentally and spiritually. God, I'm yours and everything that I have is yours your first in my life we think that God is going to play second fiddle in our band I'm here to tell you this morning you are absolutely wrong God's not coming in second place to nobody or anything you think oh it's not, it's not important that I go to church tonight the reason why you're dying on the vine the reason why you're withering up spiritually is because the night that God tries to talk to you, you're at home. You're at the lake. You're at the mall. You're at the restaurant enjoying the blessings of God instead of worshiping the blesser that blessed you with the blessings. And God is talking and God is speaking to the church and you're getting cold and carnal and indifferent with God. It is important to be faithful to the house of God. You cannot be spiritual without being faithful. You cannot overcome temptation without being faithful and communing with God. The reason why lots of relationships do not, do not make it in this world is because there is no togetherness. There is no coming together. There is no life together. And the reason why you cannot make it spiritually from week to week is because there is no communing with God. And you say, oh, I'm, I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying my new travel trailer. I'm enjoying my new motorhome. I'm enjoying my new boat. I'm, I'm enjoying my new car. I'm enjoying my new vacation spot. I'm enjoying my bonus. I'm enjoying this. And we're enjoying all of these. And we have forgotten who got us to where we're at. And it's not about us. It's about Him. <laughs> Hallelujah. No man can serve two masters. The Scripture does not teach against being wealthy. The Scripture teaches against being in love with wealth. The Scripture does not teach against being successful. The Scripture teaches against being in love. And it's all about my success. It's all about my position. It's all about my possessions. That's what the scripture preaches against, that you're putting things above and in the place of God. Putting things in the place of God. Where once the Bible was, we have moved it out of the way and put a television. Where once the Bible was, now let me bring this, I'm sure all of us agree with the evils of television, but let me bring this down. Once where the family Bible was, we have replaced it with the computer. And we spend our time on Facebook 
And we're enjoying gossiping about everybody and telling everybody our business that everybody don't need to know your crazy business. You say, oh, I don't, I don't do that. Well, if you're on there reading it, you're just as guilty as the ones that's posting it. I'm not saying that everything on there is bad, but you got to get, oh, I'm, I'm, I got a toe ache today. I really, my, my toes hurt. I, I, I just got through combing my hair. Who in the, why you got too much time on your hand? You need to dedicate a little more time to God. No, but the Bible, we hadn't read it in months. But brother, you let them put something on the news, on the internet. My goodness. Oh, yes, I, I, I Get that out of the... Don't come in between me and my... Some of you are going to get mad at me this morning because I'm coming in between you and your hobby and your pastime and your getaway. Oh, it just helps me. I, I'm connected to everybody. I got, I got this many friends. and I'm connected to everybody. No. You need to get connected to God is what you need to get connected to. How can you have that much time? We... We have preached against entertainment all of our Christian lives. That things come between us and family time. Things come between us and God. But the devil has slipped in through the back door and gave us a source of entertainment. And said, oh, it's coming in a different way. It's still entertainment. And it's still taken away from you and your God and you and your family and drawing a dividing line there. And you need to have enough spiritual sense to stand up and say, devil, I'm not about to let it happen oh praise God praise God Ooh, it's tight but it's right faithfulness faithfulness you didn't know all that was in faithfulness did you faithfulness to God a commitment to God we're 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 enjoying I'm not I'm not I would say that I'm not against internet. I, there's a lot of things on the internet that I'm totally against. I'm not against you having the internet. I'm against you using internet as a form of entertainment. And you ought to be against that too. That it's taking of my valuable time. Can't teach our children how to ride a bicycle. Can't teach our children how to do anything because... We're too busy. That's what's wrong with the world. They don't have time for children. And children are in the streets raising themselves, turning into animals. <clears throat> I was discussing an issue with one man one day. He said, I, I, how come, man, I, I notice your kids when they go to a restaurant, they're not running all over the restaurant acting wild and crazy. I said, because I teach them different. You know, you don't, you, don't, you don't just go there and it just happens. It's a process. And the reason why we are afraid and we feel bad about correcting them is because other things have taken so much of our time to where when we have a little time that we're going to share with them, we don't want to be there getting on to them. That wasn't in my notes, but that's good anyway. So, so we're, we're, we allow them to do whatever they want to do. I, I want to tell you today that what is wrong with society is generation after generation, no correction, no guidance in their life to every man does what he wants to do. The Bible has been taken out of the school. The Bible has been taken out of politics. And now the Bible...
people has been taken out of homes and there is no guideline for moral stability in our lives. Faithfulness. Faithfulness to God. Who is number one? The importance of being number one. The importance. Now let me ask you this, men. How many of you men would be okay with the fact that your wife had another man that she saw once a month? How many of you, you, uh, you ladies would be okay with the fact that your husband had another sweetheart on the side that he would go visit once a month? Not really a relationship, but they would just talk and they would have a good time together and they'd go out and eat together and they'd enjoy each other's company. Now you might be a weirdo and think that's pretty neat. i tell you right now, I'd get ticked about it myself. I would not stand for it. There'd be, there'd be a burning at my house. There'd be problems at my house. There'd be some commotion going on that everybody in the county and the state would know about because I wouldn't put up. God does not want you flirting with somebody else and God doesn't want you spending His valuable time that He wants you for Himself. God loves you. God desires you. God wants you there with Him. Then I, I think of faithfulness. The scripture says in Matthew chapter 6 that I've read, 6 and 33. If any consolation, I am on the last page. Speak ye, see, excuse me, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 25. All of the things in, the, in the, the hall of faith, all of the things that the scripture could say about this great man. It says, or, or excuse me, in Hebrews chapter, uh, I, I got the wrong scripture here I guess. Alright, Hebrews chapter 3 and verse number 5. All of the things that it could say about the great man Moses and all the miracles and all the things that was command, commanded by him. All opening up the Red Sea by the rod of God and, and, and the, 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 the rod turning into a serpent and, and uh, his hand leprous and then sticking it into his bosom and it come out clean. All the plagues that was brought to the, to, uh, the Egyptians. What it says about Moses in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse number 5. And Moses verily was faithful in all of his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. When you think about Moses, don't... You don't have to think about all the miracles that was done, but think about the faithfulness of this man. The commitment that this man had to his God. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 23. His Lord said to him, all the ones that had the talents, what did he say? He didn't say, man, I'm so glad that you went out and made me money. I'm so glad that you turned it into five more. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. There's a lot of emphasis put on faithful in the Word of God. Not forsaking, the Scripture said, the importance of the house of God. You say, oh, 
one service don't matter. One service leads to another service. That service leads to another service. The scripture says in Hebrews chapter 10, this is what was going to be happening in the last day that we are living in. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, ourselves together, as a manner of some is. But exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. As that day draws closer, people seem to get further away from God. As that day draws closer, people seem to think that the house of God is not as important as it once was. But the scripture said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as a manner of some is. But keep coming to the house of God. Be faithful to the house of God. Be faithful to Bible studies. Be faithful to church workings. Be faithful to church outings. Be faithful to church gatherings. Be faithful to church functions. Be faithful to the house of God. Be faithful in all things that you do for God. When you're in the mall, be faithful to God. When you're on the town, be faithful to God. When you're in the workplace, still be faithful to God. No matter where you're at, no matter what's going on, no matter what's happening, don't allow anything to come between you and your faithfulness to God. Continue to be faithful to God. Now the last one I would like to talk about today is King David. David was a young shepherd boy. They'd come to the music this morning. I'm getting ready to close. Brother Jeffrey, if you'd come get a song, help me out here. After this long sermon, you might have to pull a rabbit out of the hat or something. David was a young shepherd boy. And uh, just... He had, he, had, he, had a, he, had a, he had a communication with God. He had, he had something going on with God out there tending the sheep. Not a lot was known about David. Not a lot was explained about David's young life, but he was a shepherd in that he killed a lion and he killed a bear. And uh, he, somewhere out there, he just, he just developed a relationship with God. Way away from there in the palace was a king named Saul that had forgotten he was a young man looking for some donkeys when God found him. And God called him and anointed him to be king over God's people. He had, the scripture said that, that uh, Samuel told him, he said, Saul, when you were small in your own eyes, God could use you. But now that God has exalted you, you have exalted yourself. And now God can't use you any longer because you're too struck on yourself. You're too busy enjoying the blessings instead of worshiping the blesser. So, so here this is going on in the kingdom and God's got something going on on the backside of the hills with a young shepherd boy that has... Practically nothing but a flock of sheep that belongs to his father. That he's out tending the sheep. And uh, so the Lord speaks to the prophet of God, Samuel, and says, Go to Jesse's house and anoint a man to be king over God's people. So 
he takes off. He says, God has rejected Saul in the house of Saul. So he takes off to Jesse's house. When he gets to Jesse's house, Jesse has some fine-looking young men in the house there that are his sons. They come before him and, man, he looks and he says, Surely this is the one. And God says, No, that's not the one. Goes through the list of his of his sons and still has not anointed one to be king. And then we find that he gets to the end and God still has not spoken to him to anoint one to be king. And he's to the very last one. And then the last one passed. God still hasn't told him. So he asked Jesse, he said, do you have any more sons? He said, yes, I have one more. But he's, he's, just, a, he's just a young lad. He's on the... He's on the back side of the hill over there tending to the sheep. And he said, I will not sit down until he gets here. They brought David in. And when he walked in, God said, this is the one. Anoint him. So the scripture said, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. The scripture said that, that he anointed him and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that time forward. Something that he had never felt before. Something that he had never experienced before. And David never forgot that feeling. David never forgot the glory. David never forgot the power. David never forgot the anointing. And he says, I'm going to seek after this the rest of my life. And so David was exalted. He killed the giant. A few years later, he was put in the kingdom and was king over God's people. But in the midst of his rising to the kingship and being the king over Israel... David never forgot the glory and the power of God. And he never forgot where he was when God anointed him to be king. And he always loved his God. And he always worshipped his God. And he always magnified his God. Here in the time of Saul's reign, Saul never made an attempt to go get the Ark of the Covenant, which was the glory of God. But David, soon as he got the ability where he could, he said, I'm going to get the Ark of the Covenant. Granted, the first time he went, he went in the wrong way. But still, he had made up in his mind, I'm going to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. I'm going to build a place for the Ark of the Covenant, the glory of God, to dwell in the city of David. Every day that was his desire. That's what he longed for because he remembered the glory and the power and the anointing of God. How he would play the heart and the anointing of the Lord would come upon him. And the glory of God would fill the house and drive the evil spirits away from Saul. because Not because of David but because of the anointing of God. So we find... David bringing the Ark of the Covenant back. And he would stop the Ark of the Covenant. And he would begin to dance and glorify and magnify God. And then they would go a little bit further and they would stop everything. And David would start dancing and they would start offering sacrifices before God. 
Then they would go a little bit further. David would stop and he'd start worshiping. He took off his royal robe and throwed it on the ground and began to praise and to magnify God. Days long, days long of festivities and celebration and worship. And David comes into his house. And there is Michael, the daughter of Saul, sitting there with a cynical look on her face saying, How glorious was the king in the sight of all the daughters of Israel today. This same spirit that influenced her father was now upon her. And I tell you today, parents, we are handing down spirits from generation to generation to our children. I don't, I don't, that's, that's unnecessary. That, that's not necessary. There's no reason why we ought to do that. There's, there's no reason why in the standards. And then you want the preacher to try to help them when they get 16 years old. There ain't nothing the preacher can do because you've already handed them a spirit that was given to, the, from the, uh, to them from their fathers. So here Michael is. How glorious was the king. And David looked probably disappointed in her. And he said, you haven't seen anything yet. If you think that was something, I remember where I was when God picked me up. Amen. I want to tell you to some of you, the glory of God may not be as exciting, as thrilling as it once was. But I want to tell you in my life, I can't help it when I come to the house of God. Something begins to happen on the inside of me. I can't come and sit on my hands. I can't go to a special service and sit there when the Spirit of God gets to moving. Why? Because I remember where I was. I remember the first day I caught a glimpse of Him. And He's still just as real as He ever was. He's still just as glorious as He ever was. He's still as powerful and as beautiful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, some of you, the glory of God may have lost its beauty, but to me I can't help but worship. I can't help but lift my hands. I can't help but leap for joy. Why? Because I know where I would be if it was not for the glory of God. And I always want to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. I don't want to get so caught up in the blessing. Look at the crown. David, look at the royal palace. Look at what, what you have, David. But David was never so caught up in the blessing that he forgot the blesser. We can come to church and we can sit there cynical. We can sit there and criticize everybody that worships. We can sit there and make fun and make light. Oh, look at that. That looks so funny. That, that's so silly. People come to an apostolic church and they call us holy rollers. The reason why everybody else is not rolling, they don't have anything to roll about because God has not delivered them from anything. They still smoke, they still drink, they still lie, they still cuss. But I'm not a smoker anymore. I'm not a drunkard anymore. I'm not a drug addict anymore. Why? Because I've been 
been delivered and I don't ever want to forget where God brought me from and when I come to the house of God I've got a praise in my heart i got a praise in my spirit God is still beautiful to me He's still real to me He's still glorious to me I'm still excited about God Hallelujah. I like to see someone that's never been in contact with God and they get the Holy Ghost and something happens. My goodness, their countenance looks different. Why? Because they have come in contact with God. They have felt the touch from God and they come to church. They don't know where to say amen. They don't know when to say hallelujah. They don't know when to say glory to God. They don't know when you ought to run and when you ought to stop, when you ought to stand, or when you ought to sit down. They just come to church and say, I'm just glad to be here. Oh my God, I feel something in the house today. Oh, I'm excited about God and we have been sitting here I wish it I wish Lord have mercy not today don't run again Lord don't don't start the music up again somebody will start shouting all over again please just let us all go home amen I know I'm a little bit lengthy this morning but we're all concerned about what's happening after church than what's happening in the church why it's not because God has changed it's because we have changed I hear all the elders say oh man I can remember when we had church till 12 o'clock Some of you are the first ones to leave when we get a little lengthy. I didn't mean to say that. But God hasn't changed. God can still move at 10, 12, 1, 2, 3. It doesn't make God any difference. What makes a difference is we are too busy with the blessing. i gotta go, I got to go lay in my Simmons beauty rest. I've got to go lay in my, my Tempur-Pedic mattress. I've got to go enjoy my new truck. I've got, to, I've got to get in my boat and go fishing. Man, won't you hurry up let us out where maybe we can be here in time for church tonight instead of saying, oh my God, if it was not for God, I wouldn't have anything. David said, I wouldn't be king, Michael. If it was not for God, if it was not for the anointing, if it was not for the glory, if it was not for the power, I wouldn't have anything I've got touch him I've got to worship him I've got to lift up his name hallelujah hallelujah some of us said oh my lord shame on if somebody shouts this morning Shame on the church if somebody lifts up the name of the Lord this morning. That means the Baptist or the Presbyterian or the Methodist is going to beat us to the restaurant. Amen. Lord, have mercy if we could get caught up in worshiping. If we could get caught up in praising the blesser of blessings. If we could get a beauty. Amen. And realize the beauty of God and magnify Him for what He is. God, David said, I'm not worried about anything but seeking you first, God. Solomon was the wisest and the richest man of his time. 
But when he had the opportunity, he said, Lord, if you want to give me all of these things, I just want wisdom to lead your people. And because that he asked with humble heart, God blessed him with wisdom and knowledge. But when he sought God first, God blessed him with more horses. God blessed him with more chariots. God blessed him with more gold. God blessed him with more silver. God blessed him more than anybody else in the world. But first, he had to seek the glory of God. As we all stand this morning, hallelujah. Maybe I've preached too long for you to even respond to the word of God. Come back tonight. It's going to be short. I promise you. But God, if I could just, if I could just get things back on track, I know I've been slow for God. I wonder if someone would pray this morning. Be honest with God. I know I haven't been as faithful as I need to be, God. But God, if I could just seek you first, I want to get things in perspective this morning. I want to get things in order today, God. I wonder right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, is there anyone that wants to step out from behind your pew right now and say, God, I just want to make a new commitment. God, I, I, I know you know I love you, God, but I, I have been getting a little things, just little things out of, out of, out of order here. Just a few things just got a little mixed up in my everyday walk. And God, I, I want to put you back where you belong. The center of my life, God. The center. The center of my life, God. The center of my life, God, that everything else revolves around you. I don't know about you today, but I don't ever want to take God for granted in my life. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, somebody reach out to the Lord this morning. Back to Bethel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.